What's going on, everybody? This is Christian Gujanov, and I want to welcome you to this episode of Peak Performance Principles. In this episode, I got to interview one of the most resilient people I've ever met. Her name is Angelina Joyce. She's a former soccer player whose list of injuries is probably longer than most of our grocery lists. In this episode, we talked about the best practices for overcoming injuries and the toll that injuries can take on our mental health and how we can improve and work on our mental health during injury, as well as some, some practices that we can do to stay sharp, to keep our game sharp while you're injured. All right, everybody, welcome to Peak Performance Principles. We've got a special guest on the phone with us today. AJ, you there? Hi, how are you? I'm doing good. Uh, thanks so much for taking some time today. We're going to be talking about some some things that I feel like Everyone kind of goes through. I feel like if you're an athlete, you kind of go through these things, but like we don't talk about it as much. Mm-hmm, so hopefully this conversation can shed some light on some topics that are kind of difficult to, to talk about. And I think you're one of the best people to kind of share your experience with. And, and uh, I can't thank you enough for taking some time. Thank you so much. So we've got, um, we kind of already kind of read the bio here about kind of what you're doing now, but I want to start kind of early on real quick. So you obviously play soccer, mm-hmm. but how did that start for you? Like, how did you get into soccer? Yeah, so um, I think my mom definitely wanted to put me in a sport that drained a lot of your energy because I was a very hyper um, child. <laughs> and she put me in a ton of different sports, but I never really would pay attention or like I'd get bored and just kind of, you know, doze off. Mm-hmm. Um, but when I started playing soccer, I just immediately fell in love with the game and just you know, the excitement and how much energy and running around it was for me. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah I'm sure that your, your mom loved it. Yeah, that. definitely. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, w- at what age did you feel like it would became like more like competitive for you? Like something that you could wanted to get really good at instead of just like something you did on the weekend. Yeah. So I think around the age of 12 was when I really started seeing a future in soccer. I think, for me, it was being on the field. I felt like I belonged there. It was a sense of identity and it just made me feel most like myself. But when I transitioned into the age of 12 or 13, I started seeing, seeing like the competition and where I could possibly take the sport collegiately or professionally. Mm-hmm. And what was like 12 year old AJ? What was her dream? Definitely to play on the national team or to um, be in the World Cup one day. Those were my top oh, ones. Did you have like who? Who are your favorite? I mean, I'm sure they're probably still your favorite, <laughs> but who? Who did you look up to? Back Definitely then? Cristiano Ronaldo. I have a fat head of him um, in my closet. <laughs> um, and I miss. Those I things. know they were awesome. Uh, I'm an adult now. I can't have fat heads in my house. <laughs> um, Messi, um, Alex Morgan. Um, who else? Uh, those were probably my top three. I'd say. Yeah, 100. Yeah, that's awesome. And uh, I mean, they're all still. Oh yeah, they're all still playing. So (laughs) yeah, so great. So so about so about age twelve, you kind of realize like, hey, I want to do big things with that. Like, what mentally was there anything that like shifted for you? Like, what what did you do? Like, once you realized like, I want to do something with this. Yeah, I started seeing that the little things in practice or outside of practice, the amount of time and effort you put in, the better you're going to get. So I started taking it where. I'd be in my backyard for hours working on a move, you know, trying to master it. And so that once I got on the field, it was like a second, you know, second nature to me. Um, And I felt like honing in on those skills and like the IQ side of soccer and understanding the game and the tactics was what was going to get me ahead of most people. Yeah. And it clearly, obviously. (laughs) It worked out. So from high school to college, what what were some of the biggest like, differences that you noticed yeah so I think in high school I played club um, and I also played high school soccer and I think during that time frame you were still learning and developing even though the competition was at an elite level but you still had that opportunity for some mistakes and growing and then transitioning transitioning into college definitely was a realization of one small mistake could cost you the game 
And you really had to make sure that you were, you know, at a hundred percent and, you know, making sure your touch was correct and all of that. Yeah. So, I mean, a lot of, so a lot of people listening might be in college, in high school right now, wanting to get to college. Mm-hmm. What are some things that you feel like either that you did or that maybe you wish you would have done more of in high school to help you in college? Honestly, I think, I really wish I had more confidence in myself um, going into college because I knew I was a very good player, but I was just always very nervous of, I would get in my head too much of being like, if this touch is wrong or if I make a bad pass, you know, I'm going to be taken off. And I think sometimes I allowed that to take over. Um, And I just wish I trust myself more and said, Hey, like, you know what you're doing? You've been playing this game since you were five years old. Like, just play it like don't worry about what's around you right now just play what you know how to play yeah yeah I think that's that's a good point I mean you probably go a lot of guys would go from high school where you're best girl on the team or one of the best girls on the team and then you mm-hmm. go to college and there's a lot of really good girls on the team oh absolutely confidence can definitely take a hit so what, what what did you do to kind of boost that confidence or kind of gain that confidence honestly I really would go back and I'd visualize how how I would play in high school and how I would play in club and I'd close my eyes and I would just kind of sit there like if I was meditating and I would just go through my head a game or you know different footwork or technical work or formations and I would just kind of make sure to remind myself like you do know what you're doing and you do know how to play um mm-hmm. so that once I got on the field I felt more confident to use those skills nice I love that yeah that's awesome yeah, I, mean, I, I talk to a lot of people in those situations too, and a lot of people think it's just go to the gym more, run more Mm-mm. physically, get better physically. No. <laughs> when you get to that level, like everyone is so physically good. Like, mm-hmm. so a lot of times it's not physically getting bigger, faster, stronger. It's taking what you do have and applying some mental skill to it. Yeah. And uh, it sounds like that worked out really well for you. So I think one of the biggest things that I think is incredibly unique about kind of your experience with with soccer is all the the amount of injuries you've suffered and just the things that you've had to deal with from a physical injury standpoint mm-hmm. and obviously injury is a part of sports it's not it's kind of what you sign up for mm-hmm. um depending on what sport you play you're much more likely to get injured mm-hmm. um i don't know i don't know if you knew this actually I, I just i just read this today that women's soccer for women's sports it's the highest percentage of injuries yeah in for, college yeah most likely i didn't know that my knees yeah they said knees yep. and ankles is the mm-hmm. biggest one. so so obviously we if you play sports it's kind of what you sign up for like if you play sports and expect to not get injured like you should probably stop playing sports <laughs> exactly 100%. like you're gonna get hurt like no matter what like, so like talk to us a little bit about kind of some of the in- early injuries that you kind of faced and some of the things that you kind of went through early on yeah so I think my first um major injury I want to say were like hamstring pulls and IT band pulls Um, those were kind of the ones that early on I was young and I like wouldn't really hydrate as much and I weren't I wasn't doing the little things to you know make sure that my body was at the degree it should be um young is like how old oh this is like nine yeah yeah this is like nine years old even younger yeah yeah yeah, even younger um but I think you know once I healed from those I kind of realized oh it is really important to stretch and hydrate and do all those things But my first major injury surgery kind of thing um, was something called compartment syndrome. And it's basically increased pressure in a muscle compartment in your leg. And it's it's causing like nerve damage and just pain along with it. Um, And I had always I had always suffered from leg pains as a child. Like my mom would rub my legs and she'd bring me to doctors and they'd be like, oh, it's just like growing pains. Your daughter's fine, yada, yada, yada. And mm-hmm. I remember being in high school and starting to not be able to like walk after practices. You know, my legs would, my feet would go completely numb. Um, my calves were so rock hard that like you couldn't even touch them or move them. I would like scream in pain. And I just remember going into ice baths the second I'd get off the field or just like asking my mom to like massage my legs because I just couldn't stand. And it was, it felt like someone basically like took my flesh and lit it on fire and was just like squeezing it. And I thought it was normal. Um, I thought everyone was going through this because I had doctors (laughs) tell me that, you know, it's in your head, you're fine, there's nothing wrong. Um, 
but we finally had a doctor that, you know, said, nope, this isn't normal. And they ended up doing something called compartment testing, which is these big needles that they stick into your legs to test the pressure. And if your pressure is over 18, you need surgery. And so I ended up doing two sets of tests where there's one at rest and then there's one where they, they make you run and then they stick the needles back in. And my pressures were in the 40s and the 50s. So they kind of were like, yeah, we need you to we need to get you into surgery right away. They were they were pretty shocked how young I was to have the severity of compartment syndrome that I had. How old, how old were you? At I was time? 15. The first one. Wow. Yeah. yeah. So it was definitely a very rare case. <laughs> yeah. So, so you're 15. And how long was like this? I mean, the surgery happened and then what, what was rehab like how long were you out of soccer for? so I had gotten my surgery my after my freshman year of high school um so that summer and I was about almost a year full recovery um because I had all eight compartments released so sometimes people might get like one or two but I got all I got four in one leg and four in the other leg um how lucky yeah (laughs) so it was definitely a very hard recovery a lot of it was just kind of reteaching my mechanics how to like run again and learning how to build the muscle and the you know deep tissue massaging which was very painful but it helped a lot to get the scar tissue to move Mm -hmm. around um it was probably the one of the worst surgeries I've had (laughs) so so what was like motivating you during that during that time you obviously knew this isn't going to be like a few weeks of rehab then you'll be back what was keeping you up 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 and doing all this I think the biggest thing was my love for the game honestly I just knew that being on the field it made me feel like my best self and I felt like I just identified so much with soccer that I was like this is who I am and I really wanted just to get back that feeling and get back the like that like adrenaline rush that you get when you step on the field for a game day or something like that. And that just kept me, you know, making sure that I was on top of my rehab going three days a week and like doing every little thing from nutrition to hydration to getting enough hours of sleep. Okay, everybody, we're going to take just a short break from today's episode to tell you about one of our amazing podcast sponsors. This episode is sponsored by Chris T's Organic Blends. Now, if you're trying to make some positive health and wellness changes in your life, you know that what you eat and what you drink is incredibly important to pay attention to. So let Christie's Organic Blends help you with the what you drink part. Now, Christie's Organic Blends is a 100% organic tea company. What they've done is combined Eastern medicine and herbs with American herbs and created some fascinating blends of tea. Some of the flavors like advanced immunity, de-stress, sunset sunrise vitality detox balance allergy these are actual they're not just flavors like you'd find at a store like raspberry and peach this tea has purpose this tea helps you be healthier so it's very rare that you find products that are good for you and actually taste good well you found one chris t's organic blends taste delicious i've been drinking it for over a month now i drink the advanced immunity tea every single day it, I, I know it's good for me, but it also just tastes so good. So go to ChrisTees.org to grab a bag. Ten bucks for a bag of tea is incredible for, for the value that you're getting. So go to ChrisTees.org, K-R-I-S-T-E-A-S.org. Check out her products and also some of her tea accessories. Fantastic company, family-owned company for over 10 years. Hope that you'll go check it out, ChrisTees.org, and enjoy a cup of tea with me. Now let's get back to the episode. Yeah, I think that's, that's, that's awesome. I think that's one thing I want to highlight too is that when I feel like when so a lot of people think you get injured, it's all like this sucks and everything sucks in mm-hmm. life. But like what you just described, like that's one of the most valuable lessons you can learn as, as an athlete is to take those little things seriously. Mm-hmm. And sometimes it takes like a, pretty major surgery and an injury for you to realize I think too that uh, surgery was my first one to make me realize how much how lucky I was to be able to play the game mm -hmm. and be healthy and I think it made me like I missed playing the game so much that my love and my passion just like 
grew, grew, and grew. And I was just 10 times, you know, mentally, like, more obsessed with trying to compete against myself to become a better player. Yeah. So, so what did you do during those, like, I mean, a, a majority of the rehab sessions you had were pretty lengthy. Mm-hmm. So, like, what were you doing to kind of stay what you just described, like, wanting to get, wanting to get better and wanting to play again? What were you doing during those times to, like, keep yourself in that headspace of competing and playing? I again? think one of the hardest things for an athlete when you think about recovery and rehab is you have all these big goals of wanting to get back on the field. And obviously that is your end goal. Um, but I really had to try and be proud of myself for the little accomplishments. If that was doing a calf raise or if that was, you know, walking for the first time, I really had to make sure that I, I acknowledge that because it's really easy to be like, well, that's easy. I can do that. Like that's, that's something that's simple. Um, so I really made sure I, had a visual I'd write it down in like my journal where I was like today I did four calf raises calf raises Um, and then to keep me mentally sharp within the game I would watch film I would watch you know my favorite soccer players play I would watch YouTube videos over and over again of different you know formations tactics different things so that mentally once I was back I was already you know on top of everything and all I had to do was just kind of get back physically Nice. That's awesome. Anyway, that, that's great. That's great advice. So any, anyone going through an injury, rewind the last like two mm-hmm. minutes and re-listen to mm-hmm. that. That's, that, 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 that's some of the best ad, uh, times time spent during rehab is not a waste. Yeah. There's so many things that you did, like those little wins. And when you think about a game, right, like if you're playing a 90 minute soccer, soccer match, like there's so many little wins and little goals you're trying to achieve along the way. It's the same thing mm-hmm. in rehab. And I think it's the same thing watching film. You're doing that. And during mm-hmm. the season, like it's nothing different. So like, that's, that's awesome. I like, I, yeah. I appreciate and that. I think that too, like when you look at rehab and playing whatever sport you want to play, the time you spend outside, if that's practices or you in your backyard or you doing something I felt like, all right, I'm in rehab right now and I'm making sure that I'm doing my squats because those little things are going to get me 100% healthy, just like the little things off the field are going to be able, are going to make you be able to perform on the field. Yeah, yeah, you're 100% right. Yeah, I mean, it's those little, and I think that mindset that you're describing there of those like little wins like what what, what makes it so difficult though, like in your experience, I mean, I, I, I've kind of got through injuries myself and so it all sounds good. Like just focus on little <laughs> things. And I talk to athletes all the time, the same kind of deal. But like, what did you do to actually like execute on that mindset? Ooh. Well, I want to say, I think there was definitely a lot of frustration. Um, there were a lot of times where I'd cry. I would get really pissed off. Um, I was yeah. lucky to have the support system I had around me to remind me that, you know, like you can do this. You're going to get through this. You're going to make it. But I really think I would just remind myself, what did it feel like to play? And like, what did that feeling give you? And even just being around your teammates and having fun and traveling together, like those are the moments that you need to remember and kind of hold on to because they'll help you come out of whatever surgery or recovery you're in and be like, this is why I want to come back. Yeah. Yeah, no, and I appreciate you saying that too because I kind of made it sound like your rehab was like, you were just oh, great no, all the time. Absolutely not. There, the there was a lot of tears, a lot of <laughs> anger, um, a lot of, you know, why is this going on or why is that going on? Um, but I definitely knew that I was built to handle this, so I was ready for it. Yeah, yeah. And, I mean, I know we, me and you have offline have had a lot of conversations about this mm-hmm. next part, but this is kind of a tough conversation to have when it kind of shifts from – rehab and, and looking at injuries but kind of the toll that that injuries take on your mm-hmm. mental health and not 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 just you in particular but just I think athletes that go through injuries that's one of the things that we don't talk about enough about like it's always about like when you see an athlete right like like if even if you're a teammate like you ask them hey how's rehab going like when are you going to be back and we kind of don't talk enough about the mental health aspect of coming back mm-hmm. from an injury so can you kind of talk about what that was like for you and just as, as, as far as you would like to talk about 
kind of some of the struggles that you had and some of the ways you kind yeah, of worked through um, those things. And, and, and yeah, are no, definitely. So I, in total, I've had seven surgeries. Um, and then on top of that, a lot of, you know, injections and procedures. And I think throughout the years of me dealing with it, um, the one surgery that I finally kind of broke me um, was my popliteal artery entrapment surgery. And I was basically born with a very rare um, birth defect. And it's a rare vascular disease. And it affects the legs of some young athletes, actually. And the muscles and tendons that are near the knee are just kind of like weirdly positioned where it compresses the main artery that goes to your heart. And when I had found out that I had this diagnosis, this was after five surgeries. So this would have been my sixth surgery. Um, I just kind of remember sitting there and I... I hit a wall because I would always be, you know, the teammate on the sideline that would cheer everyone on and, you know, be all happy and go lucky and everything's rainbows and unicorns. But in reality, I'd be in my bedroom bawling my eyes out. Um, And I kind of finally showed people, I was like, Hey, I'm not okay. Like I am struggling I'm suffering and I need help. And I opened up and I was diagnosed with PTSD just kind of from, you know, my experiences of, you know, back to back surgeries. And it was a hard diagnosis to kind of face because, you know, you think of PTSD and you think of, you know, veterans that are coming home from war. Um, But I honestly, I'm starting now to be proud of my diagnosis because it has made me so much stronger. And I really did struggle with, you know, socializing, I did get, you know, severely depressed, um, I would disassociate. So I felt like mentally I was somewhere else, but physically I was here and I suffered in school. Um, I had to end up taking a semester off, you know, my, I think it was my spring semester of my sophomore year. I had to take a semester off just because I wasn't doing well in school. I wasn't doing well, you know, kind of in every aspect of life because I wasn't facing the demon and I wasn't facing like, Hey, you need to do something about this. And um, that's kind of where obviously I met you, Christian, and we, you know, we really worked on being able to break things down and try and, I guess, let me let out those emotions and let me cry and let me feel it because I kind of always would shove it down and I wouldn't let myself feel what I was going through in the moment. And being able to be upset or get angry when you find out this is what you have is the best thing you can do. Like you need to let it out in the moment. Cause if you don't, it's just going to hit you, you know, down the road. Yeah. Yeah. Th- thanks for sharing that. I mean, that's, I, I think that's the real side of people that a lot of times mm-hmm. we don't get to see or hear about. And I'm, I'm sure the people listening who kind of can mm-hmm. really relate to that. Um, maybe not vocally, mm-hmm. but internally the, the toll that, we, we you know sports are awesome and it, it gets people to to push themselves and to show that mental toughness and to just push themselves past any anything they thought they could do but when that gets taken away and it, what do you do with mm-hmm. with the aftermath and, and I think a lot of people can relate to your experience and really feel yeah I think similar. too like I just remember you know obviously dealing with all the surgeries and all the injuries um I would kind of have this stigma around me of, of being that injured kid and being that injured player. And, you know, I would deal with your typical coaches saying things to me that obviously I think they didn't mean, but it did hurt. You know, they would say like, Oh, gimpy, like you're always getting hurt or something like that, where I felt like that started to become my identity rather than I'm Angelina Joyce. I'm a soccer player. Um, And I felt Mm -hmm. like I then had to come back 10 times better because now I have this label of, oh, well, she's just going to get hurt. So she's not as good as a player as someone else. And I think, mm-hmm. you know, entering, you know, club in elite levels, people won't speak up if they're hurt or they won't voice how they're feeling mentally or physically due to them being afraid that they're not going to get enough playing time or they're not going to be seen. They're only going to be seen as what's negative about them. And I honestly would kind of sit back and be like, I am strong as hell from all of this. Like I should be taking this stigma and being this injured person and be very proud of it because like, look where I am. And like, look, look 
what I'm doing with all of this. Like I'm strong as hell. Like I can't, I can't be mad. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I mean, that, like you talked about how that, like the transition from high school to college mm-hmm. and that confidence that you kind of maybe lose in a sense and injury kind of does the same thing almost. But when you accept and kind of realize that mm-hmm. there's strength in that, a lot of oh, that yeah. confidence comes up, right? Like you just, you didn't sound like a, a stigmatized Mm-mm. injured athlete there, right? Mm-hmm. You sound very confident like that. And that's where that's I, who I am going through it. And it's obviously, it's easier to, you know, it's easier said than done, but going through it or just entering, yeah. you know, entering an injury, knowing you're going into a surgery, I really wish I didn't look at, oh, well, I have four months and I need to do this so that my coach plays me here and this, this, and this. Like, I wish I really honed in on, all right, what am I getting from the surgery? What am I gaining? And like, where, where are all the small wins, honestly? And like, what can I do right now to show that? And I do think the whole culture does have to change because it's really easy for you to change your mindset. But if you have, you know, coaches and other people saying something else to you it's very hard to keep that mindset um but I wish that you know I can make a difference where you know collegiately wise or club wise sports wise I just want to make a change in the culture of how you know injured players are treated and and how how do you think that is like I mean obviously Mm -hmm. we can't wave a magic wand and make, make it up. But what, what do you think is like a realistic step that like coaches can do or, you know, administrators, things like that? Like, I honestly what can we think, do? you know, if you do have an athlete that's injured, you give them a role. So you make them feel like though they can't play on the field and they can't pra- practice, they have a role on this team. If that's doing film, if that's creating, you know, helping to set up practice with the cones, just something that makes them feel like, Hey, like you're still a part of the team and acknowledging them. Because I do feel like, and this is, you know, coaches have so much to deal with, but they're looking at their healthy players. They're looking at the players, all right, who can I put in the lineup? And I feel like sometimes accidentally the other players kind of get pushed to the side. And I just mm-hmm. remember being open and honest with my coach and saying, this is what I'm struggling with. This is where I'm suffering. And you need to help me. Like, you need, you need to do something. And I think just being able to have that open line of communication and the coach being able to respond with, all right, what can I do? Like, what are your limitations? And just making that person feel like they have that purpose and they're not just another number on the team. It can help them then have that drive and that want to get back and play. Yeah. I love that. I love that. So, so giving them, so if you're a coach and you have an injured or a few injured athletes, right? Mm-hmm. Giving them a role on the team. And then if, if you're the athlete that's injured, going to your coaches and asking for help and saying, hey, I want to be a part I of this. I think it's also hard to, as a player, to go up to your coach and say, you know, hey, you know, I couldn't get out of bed this morning because I'm so depressed. I think that's something that is so hard to talk about. Um, it took me a very long time yeah. to be able to open up and say, you know, like, hey, I'm, I'm really suffering right now. Like, this is very hard. Um I think you need to realize what's most important for you in your own mental health and your own well-being. And you're as an athlete, you're not going to enjoy the sport that you once loved and that you once, you know, as a five-year-old child cherished if you're not doing what's best for your mental health at the time. And so I just kind of remember talking to my coaches and saying, like, you need to ask your players, are you okay? You need to give them a text, shoot them a call, you know, show that I don't just Mm -hmm. care about you stepping on the field. I care about what's going on at home. I care about what you're struggling with because sometimes they put so much pressure on you to perform, but they don't know the night before that you were suffering from something. And I think that's something that needs to be talked about more and needs to really be brought up more. Yeah. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. And that's a good point too. And recognizing the the role that coaches play like Mm -hmm. the team you're still part of the team just because you're injured doesn't mean you're off the team like that you're they're still a part of the team and having that responsibility and recognizing that yes like the coach's job is to field the best Mm -hmm. team that he can an injured athlete's not going to do that but that doesn't mean they can't help the team Mm -hmm. definitely in other ways yeah that's awesome i love that so knowing 
kind of your all the, the the amounts of injuries you've gone through, the things that you've kind of talked about. I, I, mean, I, I can't thank you enough for sharing it. Are, are there anything? Are there are any other aspects to this, like overcoming injuries, working through injuries that you feel like would be helpful for people who are kind of in the thick of it right now? I want to say that my biggest lesson um, is to advocate for yourself. You need to speak up when you feel like something's wrong. I think there were a lot of times where I would, you know even go to my doctors and be like, there's something wrong with me. And they literally told me to my face, they're like, this is all in your head. You're fine. There's nothing wrong with you. And it was really hard to hear Mm -hmm. that because you have someone who's been to 12 years of medical school. Um, But you do know your own body and you know when something's off. Um, And if I didn't keep, you know, staying on top of it and going to doctors after doctors, I probably would have dropped dead of a blood clot or had an aneurysm due to, you know, my birth defect that I had. And I think that's something that after I had found yeah. out, I remember taking a step back being like, wow, thank God that I kept pushing it. And obviously I had TB12 um, physical therapy and my mom, you know, really helping me. That support system was amazing. But I, I'm i the one dealing with it and I'm in my own body and I know what's best. Okay. And so, so if there's if there's some people out there that are kind of in that thick of it now and they're be hearing this or just uh, other things that they feel like their mental health is is suffering what's like a step that you would advise them to take I feel like a lot of people think it's like suffer in silence mm-hmm. yeah. or see a therapist but there's this like mm-hmm. middle ground that exists so like what 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 was that middle ground like for you from hey I'm I'm thinking something's wrong like this is not just some like I'm just kind of bummed out like there's more I really to this. I really think, um, obviously, you know, meeting you and and being able to work with you helped me um, the most. You gave me the most, you know, skills and tools to be able to get through it. I want to say, though, to first admit that it's okay to not be okay. Like, you need to tell yourself if it's looking in a mirror, if it's writing it down, you need to say, hey, like, I'm not well right now. And that's perfectly fine. I'm the kind of person where I need an answer for everything. Um, I always like search, search, search. And I just kind of got to this point where I was like, why am I trying to fix something when I'm a different person than I was two years ago? Like, I'm never going to be the same Angelina I was two years ago because I've had different experiences. And I think just kind of adjusting and doing things like writing a letter to soccer, you know, that was the best advice you had ever given me in my entire life. Um, You know, reading Kobe Bryant's letter to basketball, that helped me let go and feel that everything I've been through and that I went through, you know, had a purpose and like had a meaning. And um, I really also made sure that I looked at things of how they boil down to love and fear. And what am I fearing right now? Am I driving my life with fear? Am I driving it with love? And when I kind of started switching that mindset of rather than driving with fear, you know, rehab or, you know, getting back on the field and getting hit again. I just loved the process of saying, hey, I'm probably going to get a couple, you know, bruises and hits, but that's all right. Like understanding that just because you're healed, it doesn't mean that everything's going to go, you know, perfect afterwards. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you. That's that's it. That's, that's very good advice, man. Uh, I love what you said, just admitting mm-hmm. to yourself, it's, it's okay to not be okay. And uh, that's one of the toughest things, but I mean, that, that's a super mm-hmm. important step that people can take. And, uh, and knowing that there are mm-hmm. people out there that can help, right? If it's, you, I mean, you mentioned mm-hmm. a few different people, right? Like your mom, um, you know, your PTs, those are, those are some of the most incredible mm-hmm. people. And same thing for me, like my PT, when I was going through my surgery, he was the one that really inspired mm-hmm. me to go into the field I'm in today it wasn't a sports psychologist mm-hmm. it was a, my, a physical therapist and it was a uh, it's, it's incredible mm-hmm. how many people there are around you that want to help that or that have a desire mm-hmm. the, the best intentions to help yeah but yep. they're not mind readers they can't read mm-hmm. your mind coaches can't mm-hmm. read your mind your friend can't read your mind and just like you described where you could put on that smiley smiling face and cheer them on and then in the shadows it's mm-hmm. I think and, and sad I think the biggest thing that I noticed um, was so 
I would get frustrated almost when people wouldn't, when I was suffering on the inside and I wasn't playing, people kind of got used to being like, oh, it's AJ. She, you know, she can handle it. She's just such a positive person. And I, um, I honestly felt like, all right, well, like, do you see what I'm going through though? Like, like, why don't you see it? And it was because I was afraid to show people and I was afraid to admit it and talk about it. And I was allowing my injuries to define me. And I think the biggest thing is to never, ever, ever allow your injuries to define you. Like you cannot say this is who I am. It's, it's no, that's not who you are whatsoever. Like you need to use your injury and your scars as superpowers. Like I have, I want to say over, I think we've counted them. I think it's about 19 to 20 scars on my body and I love every single one of them. And each one has a story. And I think that's something that I wish going through it all, I was proud of more, but it's very hard to do that at the time when you feel like your whole world's crashing around you. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. So that, like that perspective that you have, I think is really important to, to highlight as well is that there is a, there's a light at the end of the tunnel, like rehab does end. Um, there is, there is, there is other things mm-hmm. beyond what you're going through right now to, to be able to highlight those yeah. things. So thank you. Thank you for sharing that. Um, in closing, uh, what, what are some, or I guess if you're thinking about lessons that you've learned along the way, mm-hmm. I mean, you're still in college, um, but you're still, you know, going mm-hmm. through rehab, you're still in that process. And so it's not like, you know, you've checked the blocks and you oh, checked yeah, the no. block and you're never going to get hurt again. How, how do you how do you keep pushing yourself mm-hmm. n- n- not that you have it all figured out and you're the, <laughs> the guru in this or anything like that but like you're you're just a great example of someone that's going through it and you continue to to go through it so what are some things that you found to be helpful to, to help so you I want to say um after forward? you know after my popliteal surgery that ended up being a career a career ending injury for me so um my doctors had told me that you know your body anatomically can't handle you know the elite level and like the pressure you put it under when performing and just, you know, the day to day, like practice every single day, pushing your body. And I think hearing that was something Mm -hmm. that was really hard because I still feel fit. You know, I still feel like I could try and get on the field and do it, but I had to first accept, Hey, you can't push your body the way you used to. And I had to kind of change my workouts and change how many days I recover because not every single body is the same. And I think the biggest thing that I've noticed is collegiate wise, they put everyone at the same expectation. But, you know, you can't expect one person to perform and do just as well as the other when they're struggling with either a mental health condition or a physical condition. And I think I've tried to not have control over so many things and just adjust as I go. So after my popliteal surgery, um, due to the surgery, I had to get another surgery after it on my Achilles and they had a length in my Achilles. So I basically went through and I'm still going through it right now of um, dealing with if I had torn my Achilles, what that recovery would be like. It's very similar. And I honestly have just, said all right whatever gets thrown at me I'm gonna go with the flow of it and I'm gonna make sure that those small goals that I have and I that those things that are set I make sure I accomplish those because I can't expect myself to do a 12 mile hike right now obviously but if I can go up the stairs pain-free I need to be proud of that and I think it was really just a shift of mindset of being able to adjust and you know, find the most effective ways to adjust rather than it being like, oh, like, let's just find the good in everything. Like, no, I, you can find the good in everything and still be upset. Yeah. But I think more what you're grateful for and what you have overcame and looking back and being like, look what I've overcame and look what I've done. Like, those are the things that you need to be proud about. And I remember you had told me like, you know, a gratitude list where I write down three things I'm grateful for, you know, at the end of the day. And if I don't stay on top of that, I'll notice my mindset mentally, I'll start to think more negative, or think, you know, like, what I'm doing isn't right, or it's not good. 
and you'll remind me, you'll be like, Hey, no, like, are you doing your gratitude list? And I'll be like, no. (laughs) So I think, you know, having just those little reminders, if that's a gratitude list, if that's journaling, if that's recording yourself, you know, talking, like whatever it is, you know, I have like post-its, post-its all over my wall to like remind me of things. Um, you know, it's those small things that can help that really make the difference. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Thank, thank you for sharing that. I mean, I think that that makes a lot of sense looking at I mean, when you're playing, you, you do little things like going to one Mm-mm. practice isn't going to make you all of a sudden Ronaldo. Like, but if you, but if you continue to stack those practices, then, then you're getting better. That's when you see the improvements and just like, what you're describing, those little things that you do, those little wins along the way, by noticing mm-hmm. those things, mm-hmm. you're, you're getting better. You're improving. You're you're developing mental toughness and, and, and becoming yeah, and stronger I think too, and being the when best you're, version of yourself. When you're considering so, um, if you. it's you're, you graduated from playing the sport, you know, from high school or from college, I think the biggest, most impactful thing that you had told me is it's not the sport that you love, it's the feeling it gives you. And I know one day I'm going to find something that gives me that feeling that like, you know, I belong and I identify and, you know, I'm definitely still searching for that. And that could be rock climbing. That could be, you know, drawing. It could be something that's so opposite, but it's the feeling of you being like you're at your best and you're your most self and that there are other things that will do that once either your journey ends or you're struggling with your journey. Yeah, yeah, you're very right. I like that a lot. Yeah, that's that's one of my favorite things to talk about too. Is just that idea that you know, soccer was mm-hmm. it's a ball and a pitch. It's just some mm-hmm. grass and and a, it's a couple goals. Like it's nothing more than that. But it's what mm-hmm. it's what it meant to you that made it so important. And I think that's that's what makes injury so difficult. Is that a lot of times you get injured doing the thing that you love. And if you imagine <laughs> if, if soccer was another person and they injured you. Like mm-hmm. that would be like, mm-hmm. how do you face that person again? Like that's so hard to do. But like, <laughs> when you think about it, like, you're you all mm-hmm. rehab was so focused on coming back to soccer, and 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 where you're at right now. I just can't thank you enough for sharing your story and your experience, and just you know, I mean, there's a lot of words that come up: brave, <laughs> courageous, and just thank you, just thank you so much. I appreciate that. Sticking with it. Um, is there any any last things that you'd like to add? Anything else that you would, if, if someone is kind of going through something similar? I want to say that you, tell you need to take everything day by day. Um, you know, obviously focus on your, you know, your big goals of coming back. But you may not be the same player you were before the surgery or before the injury. And that's perfectly okay. You just need to learn and adjust and figure out what you can do to make you feel like you're at the top of your game. And I think, you know, for me, it was just really focusing on hydration and nutrition and like my pliability tissue work. Those things for me was if I focus on those, I know that I'm doing all I can right now to get back on the field. And I do remember, you know, sitting with my physical therapist, Devin, who, you know, has been my lifesaver and, um, he had said, like, you, you're doing everything mm-hmm. you can. You're doing everything right. You can't be upset with yourself right now. So as long as you give it your all and you put all your effort into it, at the end of the day, you can't be mad. And you also told me, like, it's the best outcome that could ever happen. So as long as you know you're giving it your all, you know, there's no reason for you to be upset or down on yourself at all. <laughs> yeah. Amen, sister. No that's, uh, thank you for that's amazing me. thank you so much for sharing that and i'm glad you i'm glad you gave i'm glad you yes, gave Devin a shout out. i'm like the he leader is, of the Devin, a Devin saint from heaven there, so. uh, <laughs> i'm i'm representing the west coast he is he's absolutely I mean, all, all the all, all of them at tv 12 are incredible and uh mm-hmm. the, the work that they do is just un- unreal mm-hmm. absolutely and, uh, you're, you're living proof of it so yeah tom tom's tom's a good along guy, with but, this other yeah. guy named tom but he's all right you know, He's only, he's only he's like 43. Either. I don't know. He did it. Okay. Seven, seven, six goals. He's doing, he's doing just fine. Uh, <laughs> so awesome. All right, AJ, thank you so much. Um, 
is there any anything that you would want to send people to is there anything that or any resources or any books that you would recommend um people going, oh, yeah, going through this is there any resources or books have, that you think would be helpful these two books that I read that I felt like were great, um, Elevating Your Game, it was by Jim Thompson. Um, I thought that was really good. Just kind of talked about all aspects of performance and focusing. And then um, The Art of Mental Training, which I think you recommended to me. Um, that was honestly just really eye-opening. Yeah. And even if you're a non-athlete, I just think the art of just being able to hone in on how your mind works and why it does the things it does it just really helps you feel like you can be like your best self in so many different ways yeah awesome mm -hmm. perfect yeah I, lo I love those two though those are two great books mm -hmm. there's uh there's another one mind gym is a really good one um gary mack i think wrote that one but yeah there, there's uh there's so many good resources and honestly like for, for me like when i got injured i think that was one of the cool things that, that i found was you know, not physically, I can't take out all of my <laughs> frustrations by just running or playing basketball or whatever, but like I had to find something else. And this, that was one of the things was reading those books and gaining mm -hmm. that knowledge. It was like another sport to play in a way. So um, I think injury can be a really interesting time to find another thing, another outlet. And uh, that's awesome. Thanks again. No Thank you for sharing that, AJ. I appreciate everything you, everything you've said. And uh, it's been a a lot of us can relate and uh, some of the advice thank you, you for having me is incredible so <laughs> thank you so much so as we wrap up this episode i wanted to consolidate some of the information that aj gave us in total she gave us 27 different tips and strategies and best practices for handling injuries more effectively and i wanted to consolidate those things into three things every injured athlete can do to be able to handle their injury more effectively the first thing is focusing on the small wins aj talked about this a lot the importance of focusing on those small wins, even though it's a calf raise or a squat, those small wins infuse so much positivity into your rehab process that there's very few things you could do that have such a powerful effect. So by focusing on the small wins, you're also simulating your mindset during a game. When you think about any game you play or any sport you play, all it is is just a bunch of little moments, little wins that you have along the way that equate to a bigger victory. So rehab is the exact same thing as any game, it's just maybe a little bit longer. So j just like any sport you play, you want to focus on those little wins. Those little moments in along the way are incredibly important to you winning the game. Rehab, the game that you're trying to win, is get back to the game. So by focusing on those small wins, doing those little things, and enjoying that process of achieving those little things, it'll, it'll infuse so much more positivity and so much more perspective into your rehab process that it'll help you handle it much more effectively. One thing you could do to focus on those small wins is to ask yourself this question at least three times a day. What can I do to be 1% better right now? This is something that we've talked about other times in the podcast, but those small wins, focusing on those little 1% improvements you could make can go a long way. As a previous guest on the show, Justin Sua, one of the greatest quotes he has, little by little, a little becomes a lot. So focus on those little wins, focus on those small wins, and they'll start to stack up just like any game, when you, win, when you win the small moments, you win the big moments. The second thing that AJ talked about a lot as well is this gratitude list, focusing on gratitude. Now, I think it's just, for a lot of us that have maybe had a serious injury, this might be one of the most difficult things that you do. You know, we, we all had those during rehab. There was this one exercise I absolutely hated. It was like a shuffleboard sort of thing. Like you, it's like a big white board. You put these like booties on your shoes and you have to slide back and forth and it was awful i dreaded that thing i had to do it like three or four times until i could get it right and it was don't even i mean i i get like flustered just talking just thinking about this thing but it was in, in, in reality one of the best physical things i could do to rehab well gratitude is sometimes very difficult to do it's hard to sit there and think about things you're grateful for for whatever reason it's a difficult process it's not easy uh but it's one of the best mental practices you could do for your rehab process. So AJ talked about this gratitude list of three things you're grateful for. And instead of just listing three things like your family, your friends, and food, reflect on those things. Give yourself a little bit of time to reflect and think about why you're grateful for that thing. Why, why are you grateful for your family? Be, be a little more specific and think about who in your family you're grateful for. AJ talked a lot about her mom. Focusing more on why you're grateful for that thing can help you 
reflect and help you get some more positivity instead of just saying a random thing you're grateful for. So make sure you add the reflection on there. There's a great researcher, Sean Acker, who's done a lot of research on gratitude, and he's done a lot, an extensive amount of research on what he calls the happiness advantage. And being grateful and expressing gratitude in this manner with three things and, and then reflecting on them is the, is the simplest and easiest thing you could do to, to give yourself a boost of positivity every single day. And in his research, he's found that when you are expressing things you're grateful for and reflecting on those things, it releases what he calls the happy chemicals. So the things in your body, those, those neurochemicals that, that, that are released in your body make you feel happier, make you feel more accomplished, more fulfilled, and, and allow you to not just be happier, but enjoy the process that you're in. The final thing that she mentioned as well is it's okay to have big goals, but make sure you're focusing on the daily actions to help you achieve those big goals. One of the things I talk a lot about with my clients is focusing on those big goals, but making sure that the, your short-term actions are in line with the big-term goals, your long-term goals. So when you're rehabbing, you should have a long-term goal. Come back and be able to do the, the, these things and be able to play your sport again. Those are all great things to do, but make sure that your focus is on the daily action that you need to do in order to get there. So by, by making sure your short-term actions and your long-term goals are aligned together will help you not only effectively navigate this rehab process, but also help you when you come back and making sure that those little things that you do once you are cleared and physically able to, to play, these, are all, these three things are still things you could be doing after. And again, this is one of the reasons that I think going through rehab and going through an injury can make someone stronger can make an athlete even better because when you take the physical away, you have a choice. Physically, you might not be able to do something, but that doesn't mean that mentally you can't be engaged. Some of the things that AJ talked about, watching film, go, go, working on, on, on breaking film down and being a part of the team and being a better teammate, these are things that when you're maybe not injured, you might not think that much about. You might not do extra of those things, but when you are injured, you have a choice to make and you, you can either grow or you can stay stagnant. Choose to grow through your injury. Choose to, to, to be better. Be a better teammate. Watch more film. It, it Develop some strategies. Develop small, focus on small wins. Develop a gratitude practice. Making sure your, your daily actions are aligned with those big goals that you have, these are all things that can help you when you're back. It'll make you a better athlete when you're back if you can develop these strategies when you're injured. So know that your injury doesn't define you. Anyone that's gone through a major injury and come back from it, of course, it's much better when you're back. But don't think that this is a waste of time. Take advantage of this time. Be a better athlete with the time that you've been given to work on things that maybe you wouldn't have before. So again, I want to thank AJ for coming on. It was awesome having her on the show. Again, she's one of the most resilient people I've met, and I hope you enjoyed this episode. And I want to thank you for listening to Peak Performance Principles. We'll catch you in the next episode.